church say amen. amen. Romans 3. Let's all remain standing. All remain standing. We're going to get to Romans 3 real quickly. Uh, let's go to verse number 20. Verse number 20. Got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Man, I'm jacked up about tonight. It's going to be good. I've been working on it and, 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 and dealing with it. We're going to learn a lot of good stuff tonight. Uh, so far, so far in our Roman study, we found out we're all in trouble. Say amen. amen. We're all sinners. We're all, uh, we got issues. We've got problems. Who needs a lesson? Did anybody not get a lesson? I want to make sure everybody gets a lesson. Uh, uh, anybody need a lesson? Raise your hand if you need a lesson. Right here in the middle, right here, Brother Buchanan, Brother Donnie, run like the wind. I mean, that's, there you go. Can't y'all hear chariots of fire right there? Amen. <laughs> anybody else need a lesson? Anybody else need a lesson? All right. All right. Well, let's look in Revelation, excuse me, Romans. We'll be in Revelation before long. Amen. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 20. Now, 20 is where we, we left off last week. We learned that by the law, God sent his law. And I hope you can see this wherever you are in the building. Uh, if you can't, trust me, I've got the word law written right here. God sent the law to teach us that we were sinners. God sent the law so we could understand the truth about holiness and what it required to be holy and what God required to be who he was and to be with him. And we found out, we found out that through the law, we found out that we could not attain righteousness. We could not reach him for all are sinners, right? There is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come what? Short. We've come short of the glory of God. So here we are. The first section is, is sin, righteousness demanded. God demands righteousness, and uh, we're sinners. We're in trouble. Uh, we, we, chapter 1, uh, the Gentiles are sinners. Chapter 2, the Jews are sinners. Chapter 3, the beginning, we're all sinners. We're all messed up. We all have issues. We all are weak when it comes to getting to where God is and where God wants us to be. So now let's read in verse number 20. If you found your spot, say amen. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. In other words, we found out that we cannot live good enough to get right. Doing good deeds will not get the job done. And I'm, I'm going to give you a verse for that in just a second. But what did we learn by the law? The second, the second part of that verse. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. It was the law that taught us that we're sinners. It's the law that teaches us that we're sinners and we need a Savior. Amen? Now, verse 21. Let's get into uh, the section tonight that we want to get into. But now. Chapter 1, we're sinners. But now. Chapter 2, we're in trouble. But now. Chapter 3, man's condemned. But now. Say amen. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being, what's that word? We're going to hear that word a lot in the next few weeks. Justified. What does it mean to be justified? Uh, being justified freely by His grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God uh, has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. 
to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. There's a cool thought when we get there. Amen. Verse 26. Where is boasting then? In other words, if salvation is all about God and God done it all, why are you bragging? Where is boasting and what are we going to brag in? What are we going to boast about if it's all about God and his mercy? It is excluded, he says. But by what law? Of works? Nay, by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by, what's that word? Faith. Without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do then we make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Father, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your mercy today. God, we're so thankful that we have an opportunity to come to your house to hear from your word. And God, now we have, the, we have the message. Father, we have the lesson. We have your word. And now we just need your spirit. God, the letter of the law killeth, but it is the spirit that bringeth life. And, and God, I pray that you'll permeate this lesson, permeate this auditorium, permeate these pews with your spirit. I pray that you'll teach us now as we sit under your, 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 your word, as we sit under your teaching. God, I pray that you'll help us to become better Christians today than we were yesterday. And Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, now, as far as the lesson goes tonight, we're going we're gonna to cover some great, great stuff. So far, in, in the last three or four weeks, we have found out that we're all sinners. We, we, we have found out that we have come short of what it requires to be right with God. We have fallen short of what it requires to be righteous, to be in God's presence and to be where God is, and that's this over here. This is the throne room. This is the presence of God. Now, everybody wants to be here, and God wants everybody to be here. God, the Bible says, God created man for his pleasure. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, uh, all things were created for thy pleasure. They are and were created. God created man to have a fellowship, have a relationship with. He walked with them in the cool of the day in the garden, and he had great fellowship. But something happened. Man disobeyed. Man rebelled. Man sinned. And because of that, there was a separation. God, the Bible says, my hand is not short that it cannot save. My ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. But your sins and iniquities have separated you between you and your God. So there was a separation. This is the place. This is the goal. This is where we want to be. We want to be right with God. We want to be able to come to his presence and come to the throne room. But there's a problem. There's a problem. God is holy. God is just, God is perfect, God is pure, God is wonderful, and we're sinners. In order to be where God is, in order to be where we're supposed to be, we have to be righteous. We have to be right with God. So, here's where we find. Look in your, look in your, uh, your verses, Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, right there in the top of your notes. Look in the top of your notes there, Isaiah 64, 6. We want to be there. We want to be in the presence of God. That's where God wants us to be. But watch what it says. Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all, how much? 
all our righteousnesses are as. So basically, it's unrighteous. Y'all with me? It's unrighteous. Every The best we could ever do, the best good deeds, the best we could come up with, the best behavior we could make happen in God's eyes, in God's standards, in God's holiness is as filthy rags. So what are we going to do? Here we are, we're separated from God, we're separated from the presence of God. According to chapters 1, 2, and the beginning of 3, we're all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We are in bad shape. We are sinners. And now in the section tonight, God is going to introduce a Savior. You see, through the first three chapters, Paul was setting us up. He was showing us our condition. He was showing us where we stood with God so that we would understand our need for a Savior. Because if you're not a sinner, you don't need a Savior. If you're not sick, you don't need a a doctor or a physician. Are y'all with me so far? Now, watch this. In in Paul's theme, Paul's theme for the second section of the letter, which we're covering, we're beginning tonight, is salvation, righteousness declared. Remember, the first one was sin, righteousness demanded tonight we're beginning salvation righteousness declared he had proved that all men are sinners next he was to explain how sinners can be saved now the theological term if you want to get technical the theological term for this salvation is justification by faith say that with me justification by faith say it again now watch this there's only two type of religions in the world there's only two some people say, oh, there's, there's, there's thousands of religions. No, there's not. There's only two types of religions in the world. And they were found, they were found in Cain and Abel. They were found in Cain and Abel. The two types of religions in the world are a religion of grace and a religion of works. Every religion in the world besides Christianity is a religion of works. You have to do, are y'all with me? You have to do to be saved. Well, Christianity is different. It's a religion of grace. It is a religion of the gift of God, mercy, and belief. Every religion is different. Every religion says you have to be, do, uh, accomplish. Uh, you got to work. And that was Cain. Cain was trying to work his way into, into a right standing with God. It doesn't work because we found out by the deeds of the law can no man be justified. No man can. We, we can't be good enough. No man can be right enough to get into the presence of God because we are all sinners and God is holy. So what happened? Somebody had to come. Somebody had to come who was sinless. Jesus came of the seed of the woman, not of the seed of the man. Are y'all with me? Because the seed of the man was corrupt. He was a sinner, and every man born of man is a sinner also. We are not sinners because we told a lie. We're sinners because we're from Abra- or excuse me, we're from Adam. And, and, and we, because we're sinners, we tell a lie. Because we're sinners, we lust. Because we're sinners, we covet. So we couldn't do it. We, we, couldn't, uh, we couldn't live up to what God wanted us to be. So now we see Jesus who came and lived a sinless life. He lived perfect because he was of the seed of woman, but his father was the Holy Ghost. Are y'all with me? The Holy Ghost came upon Mary, and here we have Jesus, the perfect man. He was all God, but he was all man. And he came and died on a cross. We know the story. Are y'all with me so far? Now watch. Now watch. Here we go. 
How can a man be saved? How can we be justified with God? How can we come into God's presence and be there? Justification, look in the top of your notes in the, in the, in the first paragraph. Justification is the act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous in Christ on the basis of the finished work of Christ on the cross. So here in Isaiah, we realize the best we can do is filthy rags. But God says in Romans 3.21 that we just read, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, look in your notes, number one. This is, this is so good. This is so good. Number one, I want you to see the message of justification. This is really the first lesson on justification, and I think, I think it's going to take about three. It's going to take about three lessons, and this is going to be justification part one, all right? Tonight, what is justification? When I come to Christ and I receive Christ as my Savior, He justified me. I experienced the ministry of justification. And I'm going to go into detail tonight to talk about that. But first, I want you to see, number one, the message of justification. The message of justification. We need to explain it a little bit. Kind of what it is and what it is not. What is justification? It says in verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, what is justification? To begin with, this is, this is A, justification considered. Write that down. Justification considered. What does the word considered mean? It means to give serious thought to. To give serious thought to. Let's really think about justification and what it means. A lot of times we go to church a long time and we say, okay, because when I was a kid, uh, uh, the way we explained it and the way it was explained to me that to, in order to get saved, I had to ask Jesus for forgiveness, and he, then he came and lived in my heart. And when he lived in my heart, then he wrote my name in a book in heaven, so now I'm going to heaven. And that's about all that a, a lot of Christians know about salvation. He's in my heart, my name's up there, so I'm going where my name is, all right? Y'all with me? Y'all a little quiet tonight. It must have been a rough day, amen? But it's going to get better, I promise, amen. Now, that's as far as we know about, but what really happened? When we came to the altar in church, I mean, or, or, or maybe it was at camp, maybe uh, maybe it was in the parking lot. Uh, Travis, uh, with the, the works with the homeless, he got saved in my dad's Thunderbird in the front yard of our house. I mean, that's as far as he got, amen? So wherever that was that you trusted Christ, what actually took place? I mean, what actually took place at that moment, that time, when you believed on Christ, you believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and you accepted him, what took place? This verse says you're justified. Justification took place in heaven. So what does that mean? What does justification mean? It says this. To begin with, justification is an act, not a process. Say it with me. It's an not a, and there's a, there's a good reason for that. Because sometimes... Sometimes we get the idea that we, we are, we are uh, uh, we're working on it. You don't work on getting saved. Now, in some denominations, you, they, they teach you that, you know, they'll, they'll tell you it's by grace, but, but you've got to be good enough to do it. You've got to keep being good. That's earning it. You can't earn salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Are you all with me so far? Justification is an act that takes place. 
It is not a process. You're not in the process of becoming justified. God does it, boom, immediately. The moment you trust Christ, the moment you accept him as your Savior, he pronounces you and declares you just and righteous. All right? Now, it's not a process. There are no degrees of justification. Each believer has the same right standing before God. Did y'all hear that? In other words, there's nobody in this room that's any more right with God if you're saved than the other person is saved that they're right with God. Y'all with me? Nobody else. You say, well, he's, he's more right with God than I am. No, he's not. You're either right with God or you're wrong with God. You're either right with him when it comes to salvation. It's, it's only it's simple. It's two, saved or lost. That's it. Now, there are some that's in a closer relationship with him. There are some that have a more intimate relationship with him. But when it comes to the standing of salvation, everybody's on the same plane. Everybody's on the same plane because it's not a process. It's an act that happens. Justification is something God does, not man. God does it, not man. No sinner can justify himself before God. Most important, justification, this is really important that you get this, Justification does not mean that God makes us righteous, but that he declares us righteous. So why is that important? How many of y'all have ever made a mistake after you got saved? Now see, if God made you righteous, you'd never make another mistake. But if God declared, and I'm going to explain it, I'm going to use a visual illustration to explain what I'm talking about. But if God declares you righteous, this is a legal term. He is declaring you right. He's not making you righteous. Because here's what happens. Sometimes after a person gets saved, we, we go along in our life and we're not walking with God like we should. And sometimes we, we get away from God and our relationship with him is not what it needs to be. And temptation comes and we succumb to temptation and, and, and we make a mistake in our life. And, and, we, and, and the devil will jump on our back and say, boy, if you was a Christian, that wouldn't have never happened. How many has that ever happened to? Boy, I tell you what, if this was real... No, when you get saved, that doesn't mean that you're perfect. That doesn't mean that God makes you righteous. He declares you righteous. On your account in heaven, God has got stamped righteous. But it's not your righteousness. Because your righteousness couldn't get it done. It took Christ's righteousness. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Here's, here's what we get mixed up. Here's what we get mixed up. He declares us righteous. Justification is a legal matter. God puts the righteousness of Christ on our record in the place of our own sinfulness. And nobody can change this record. Now, that's justification considered. B, I want you to see justification compared. What happens is, is we get mixed up justification and sanctification. Justification and sanctification. Justification is where God declares you right with him because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, sanctification is a process. Justification is an act. It's a one-time boom. God does this for you. He declares you righteous. Your account in heaven, and I like the way one preacher put it, justified, you can break it down as this. Justified means this, just if I'd never sinned. Is that cool? When Jesus looks at, or excuse me, when God the Father looks at me, he doesn't see my sin, he sees the blood of his son. 
He doesn't see my failures. He sees the obedience of his son. Because God has declared me righteous. I'm not walking around. I'm not up here because I deserve it. Because I'm the least of the one that deserves to be up here. I'm walking around because Jesus died for me. And God the Father put what Jesus done on the cross to my account. I'm righteous. Say amen. But, but, every day of my life, he's sanctifying me. He's cleaning me up. And some of us need more cleaning than others. Say amen. Every day of our life, God is honing us, and God is cutting on us, and God is plugging into us, and he's, he's washing us. What, you say, what is that process all about? What is he trying to do in the process? He's trying to get you to be more like his son. Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate for us to be conformed to the image of his son. So in the moment that you get saved, in the moment that you come to Calvary, in the moment you come to Calvary, he declares you righteous. All right, Brother Buchanan, I need my volunteers. I need my volunteers. All right? My volunteers, quickly. Put your necklace on. All right? They're born this way. Come over here, Heath. Get in line. They're born this way. Now, all of these guys, all of these guys want to get in the presence of God. They want to be where God is. They want to have fellowship and, and walk with God. And I tell you what, let me, let me change that. Let me change that. God wants that for them. God wants that for them. And, and, and sometimes, many times in life, these guys ain't even looking for God. God's coming looking for them. But there's only a problem that we see. They're sinners. 1 John chapter 1, uh, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we walk with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So, so God can't fellowship because they are, say it in, they are the best they can do. I mean the very best deeds they can do compared to the righteousness of God according to Isaiah. Their, their righteousness, their good deeds are as Filthy rags. So they're still, so they can't walk with God. They can't have a relationship with God. Because they can't keep the law. They've gotten the law, they broke it, because they're sinners. We can't. It's an impossibility. But see, one day in their life, they come and they kneel before the cross. And by the way, we all do it the same way. Whether you're in church, out of church, in the middle of the woods, and, and, and at the altar, we come to the cross. And at the cross, we believe in the gospel. And according to the gospel, what we're reading, God justifies us. So what happens is, what happens is, as we stand at the cross, God the Father takes the righteousness of Christ, the one man who was born sinless, he came to this earth, and he lived completely for 33 years. He fulfilled the law. He kept every law. He was without sin. Say amen. He was the only one that could do it. And we're going to talk about that more in the end of the, end of the lesson. But he came and he died on the cross. He fulfilled the law and he paid the debt. God told him in the very beginning, the day that you eat of the fruit, the day that you rebel against me, the day that you sin, ye shall surely die the wages of sin is and because of God's holiness 
and his righteousness and his, listen, his purity, his holiness demanded sin to be paid for. And when Jesus died on the cross, he paid that sin. And when we come to Christ, God the Father takes the righteousness of his son. Y'all with me? Let me read it. Let me read it. Look in verse number, look in verse number uh, 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law, in other words, without keeping the commandments, without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of who? By faith of who? Jesus Christ. Now, he takes his and declares him righteous. Now, is he perfect? Does he have does he have his own righteousness? But now he can come in the presence of God and have a relationship with God and have fellowship with God because he has got whose righteousness? Christ. Now every time a sinner comes, God declares him. Doesn't make him. God declares him righteous. Not because of what he did, but because of what Jesus did. Now they have fellowship. Now he can come into the presence of God. Now, every time a sinner comes and repents and trusts Christ, not because of the deeds of the law, not by being a good citizen, not by doing good deeds, but by believing in what Jesus did on the cross, God declares him righteous. Now, as they are, as they are living their life in fellowship with God, God is constantly bringing things in their life to clean them up and make them more like his. Are y'all with me? Does that make sense? Now watch this. Guys, y'all hang tight right there. I may need you in just a moment, all right? Don't take off your necklace piece. I know you're enjoying that right now. All right. Now watch this. Now watch this. Sanctification is the process by where God makes the believer more and more like Christ. Sanctification may change from day to day. Justification never changes. In other words, they're always going to be, in God's eyes, righteous because he declared them righteous. Now, their sanctification may change. He may have to whoop them. How many of y'all got away from God and God had to whoop you? I got verse 4, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. If you're without chastening, you're a bastard, not a son. That word's not a cuss word. It means illegitimate. If you claim to know Christ, if you claim to walk with God, and you can go out and live any way, old way you want to live, and God not correct you, you don't belong to him. See, that's where people that teach and believe that you can lose your salvation, that's where we got a hiccup. They say, well, you Baptist, you just believe you can live any old way you want to live, and it's okay. No, we don't. Not if you believe the Bible. Now, I believe you're going to be righteous. I believe when God declares you righteous, you're righteous because it's a legal term. It's on your account. You are trusting in the account of what Jesus did on the cross, but you may stray away from God, and in the process of sanctification, God may have to whoop your britches to get you where you're supposed to be. Now, that's a process. And as the process changes, as we change and we develop, God's process of sanctification changes us. But every step that he takes is to move us more and more into the image of his son. When the sinner trusts Christ, God declares him righteous. And that declaration will never be repealed. God looks on us and deals with us as though we had never sinned 
at all. Say amen. Number two, let's talk about this. Let's look at the means of justification, okay? How does that take place? I want to be right, I want to be right with God. I want to be able to have fellowship with him. I want to be able to walk with him. I want to be able to have a relationship with God. And I want to be justified. I want to be righteous. I want God to look at me and smile when he does. Amen? So what is it that does it? If it's not following the law, because we've already determined that we don't have the ability to. We're weak. We are sinners. We cannot follow the law and make this happen. So by what means is this going to take place? By what means are we going to receive the righteousness of God? Well, according to this verse, look in verse number look in verse number 22. Verse number 22. According to verse 21, we realize it's not by keeping the law. But in verse 22, how do we how do we get righteous? Even the righteousness of God which is by what's that word? Faith. It's by faith, not just any faith but faith of Jesus Christ. And it's for everybody. It's the same way. God doesn't save a Gentile any different than he saves a Jew. God doesn't save a Jew any different than he does a Gentile. We all get saved the same way. We're all lost and we all need Jesus and salvation. Why? Because the Bible says, Unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, let's talk about this. A, write this down. I want you to see the operation of faith. The operation of faith. Write that down in your notes. The operation of faith. We find faith, we find uh, be, becoming righteous by faith. We find it in verse 22. We find it in verse 21. We find it in verse 28. Verse, 20, one, verse 22 says this, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by what? Faith without the deeds of the law. Now, the operation of faith. Under the Old Testament law, righteousness came by man behaving. In other words, they had to keep the, they had to keep the law. They had to behave, they had to they had to try their best to follow that law. Now, in the in the gospel, under the gospel, the New Testament, righteousness does not come by behaving, but it comes by believing. Believing. The law itself reveals the righteousness of God. In other words, when we, look at the, when we look at the law, when we look at the Ten Commandments, when we look at what God gave the nation of Israel, uh, thou shalt not kill, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Are y'all with me? When we see that, we see how really pure and holy and righteous God is. We see how far that we fall short of his holiness. But watch this. That law reveals the righteousness of God because the law is holy, just, and good, according to Romans 7, 12. The law bore witness to this gospel righteousness even though it could not provide it. See, the law couldn't save us. It could just point us to the one who could. Y'all with me? The law couldn't save us. It just showed us that we needed this one. It's a schoolmaster. It led us to Christ. This is going to make sense in just a second. Watch this. The law itself, it pointed to Christ. It reveals the righteousness of God. It bore witness to this gospel righteousness even though it could not provide it. Beginning at Genesis 3.15 and continuing through the entire Old Testament, 
Witness is giving the salvation by faith in Christ. The Old Testament sacrifices, everywhere, every sacrifice that you find in the Levitical law and in Deuteronomy and all those places where God was teaching the nation of Israel about every sacrifice that they would make when they came to the tabernacle, every one of them was a picture of Christ. Every one of them pointed to the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ. You remember, you remember when, 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 when John was preaching on the River Jordan and, and, uh, and, and as he was preaching because God sent him first? God sent him to prepare everybody to get ready for Jesus. And John is preaching on the, on the, on the banks of the Jordan River, baptizing. I mean, he's a hellfire brimstone Baptist preacher, shucking the corn. Amen. He's going after it, saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's, re- he's saying, repent and get right with God. There's one coming after me. I'm baptizing with water, but there's one coming after me that's going to baptize with fire in the Holy Ghost. Talking about Jesus. He said, there's one coming. I'm not even worthy to latch his shoe. I'm not him. I'm just a messenger. I'm the forerunner. Then all all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. Jesus comes walking down the riverbank, and he says, that's him, that's him, that's him. And this is, what he, this is what he says. This is how he declares who Jesus was. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Now, what did they offer as sacrifices in the Old Testament? A lamb. Every lamb pointed to Jesus. Every sacrifice pointed to Jesus. Are you all with me? Now, watch this. Watch this. Not only, not only did the Old Testament sacrifices point to Jesus, but the prophecies, all the Old Testament prophecies, all the types in the Old Testament. You say, what is a type? Do y'all remember, do y'all remember when Isaac, Isaac was going up the mountain when God, told, when God told Abraham, he said, I want you to go sacrifice your son. I mean, this was a miracle child. This was the promised child. This is the one that Abraham had been waiting for. It was the apple of his eye. And God said, go sacrifice him. I want you to go take it almost to a mount that I'm going to show you. And the Bible says that the father put the wood on the back of Isaac, which is a type of Abraham as God the father. And Jesus, Isaac, is a type of Jesus. And that wood is a type of the cross of Calvary. And they go up to be sacrificed just as God the father sacrificed his son on your behalf. Say amen. Not only is Isaac a type of Christ, but we see Joseph is a type of Christ. He was hated by his brethren. He was loved by his father. He was betrayed and he was sold for silver. He took a Gentile bride. He rescued a whole nation. I mean, there are type after type after type after type all throughout the Old Testament, pointing everybody, drawing a picture and saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Say amen. Everywhere. Everywhere through the Old Testament, they pointed to Calvary. You see, every sacrifice was temporary. It appeased God temporarily, but it was pointing to the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus Christ. Now, the Old Testament sacrifices, the Old Testament prophecies, the Old Testament types, the great gospel scriptures, the, in Isaiah 53, when we talk about you know the land that was led before the slaughter, all the verses that talk about Jesus Christ who, 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 who knew no sin and whose sufferings was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All of that is pointing to Christ. And why is that? They all witness to the truth. Do you see what it says in verse 21? Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. In other words, true salvation all through the law and the prophets, all through the Old Testament, there was a witness of Jesus coming, Jesus on the way. Now, why was that important? Why was that important? You see, the law 
could witness to God's righteousness. It could show us how holy he was. The law could show us how holy and pure and righteous God was and how weak and anemic we are because we could never keep it. It could reveal to us the righteousness of God, but it could not provide it for sinful man. Read it with me. Only, only, only Jesus could do that. The law could get us to salvation, but it couldn't save us. The law could lead. Why did I come to him? Because I realized I was a sinner. How did I know I was a sinner? Because I read the law and I saw I broke it. So the law led me to the Savior. But following the law could not save me. I needed a Savior to save me. Now watch this. Moses, all through the scripture, is a type of the law. It came through Moses. God gave the law to Moses and to his, his people. Moses is a type of the law. Joshua, even his name means Yeshua. Yeshua. Jehovah. And are y'all with me? Moses is a type of the law. Moses got him all the way to the edge of the promised land. But Moses couldn't get him in. Moses got him there. But it took Joshua, Yeshua, to bring him in the promised land. And I'm feeling God bumps all over the place. What river, what river did they cross to get in the promised land? What river was Jesus baptized? The Jordan. And the river in baptism is a type of death. It's a type of death. The Jordan River is a type of death. Baptism is a type of being buried with him in baptism. And, and in order to get to the promised land, somebody had to die. Are y'all with me? Mm, mm, mm. Y'all going to get this about 12 o'clock tonight? It's going to dawn on you. Amen. Uh, the law could not save you. But the law just taught you you needed to be saved. The law taught us how holy he is and how unholy we are. And it led us to Jesus. It led us to Christ. And it showed us that we needed him. We needed the cross. Now watch this. Look at here. The operation of faith. Then B, the object of faith. Write this there. Verse 22. Verse 22. The object of faith. Even the righteousness of God, which is by Faith of who? Jesus Christ. Faith is only as good as its object. All men trust something, even if it's only themselves. But the Christian trusts Christ. Law righteousness is a reward for works. Nowhere, nowhere in the Bible do you find belief connected with the word reward. Nowhere. Because you see, if you can be good, then you get a reward. If our kids, if our kids behave, we give them a cupcake. Amen. Well, they do now. My reward was you didn't get a whooping. Amen. That's just the way it worked. <laughs> this was your reward. But this is not. This is not faith, and this is not grace. You see, when we believe, and it's by faith, gospel righteousness is a gift. Say that word with me. It's a 
a gift through faith. For by grace are you saved through, not of yourself, it is the what? The gift of God. The gift of God. Many people say, I trust in God, but this is not what saves us. It is a personal, individual faith in Jesus Christ that saves and justifies the lost sinner. Even the demons from hell believe in God and tremble, yet this does not save them. This does not save them. We see we have to have faith, and there's got to be an object of faith. In other words, all right, I got faith that that chair will hold me up if I sit in it. Y'all get that? I do. I believe. I have great faith that that chair will hold me up if I sit in it. Now, am I placing my faith in that chair? Mm-mm. Not till I place my behind in the chair, amen? <laughs> now, I can say I got faith all I want to, but until I trust it, See, a lot of people's coming to church and they say, I got faith in God. But they're not placing their faith in God. They're not trusting Him. It, you, you can say this with tithing. I believe God's going to take care of my needs. Are you trusting Him enough to tithe and to give like we're supposed to? Because faith, you got to have an object. This is the object of my, this is our discussion. This is the object of my faith. But there comes a time when I have to place my faith in that object. Now the question is, what do you have faith in? Is your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ? We have to have an object. We have to believe in something. You say, well, I believe in God. Just like that verse said, every devil in hell believes in God. The devil himself, Lucifer, believes in God. But we must place our faith in Jesus Christ. We are righteous. We are declared. We are declared righteous. You can let me hold that sign up. The righteous sign. You keep that up, right? Just want to be a blessing. All right. When I place my faith in Jesus, God the Father declared me righteous, not because I earned it. Surely not because I deserved it, but because he died for it. So now I'm righteous. Not because of what I've done, not by following the law, but by faith, placing my faith in what Jesus did right here. Isn't that great? Now watch this. It gets even better. It gets even better. Watch this. Let me put this right here so you know what we're getting into. All right. Watch this. I want you to see the ministry of justification. What is involved? What is involved? We find that in verses 24 and 25. Isn't Bible study fun? Just verse by verse, man, just going down through the Bible. Watch what it says. Being justified freely. Justified. You remember that means, that means let me go back and read the definition of justified here. Justification is the act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous in Christ on the basis of the finished work of Christ 
on the cross. In other words, when he declared me righteous, he looks at me just if I'd never sinned. In other words, he looks at me and you, if you're saved, he looks at you like he looked at Adam the minute he created him. Before he ever sinned. Amen? Now, what is involved in making that happen? It's described here in these two verses, in verse 24 and 25. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Now I want you to write these two words down and then we'll go back and talk about them, all right? And A, write A down, that is the word propitiation. What took place, what took place the moment I nailed at the cross and I accepted Christ as my Savior? There was a propitiation that took place. There was a propitiation that took place. Now what in the world does that mean? All right, then B, then B, I want you to write the word redemption. Write that word down in your notes, redemption. Not only did propitiation take place at this, this cross, but there was redemption that took place at this cross. The moment I was justified, two things happened, propitiation and redemption. Now, in human terms, in human terms, propitiation means appeasing someone who is angry, usually by a gift. In other words, if I knew Brother Buchanan was mad at me, uh, I'd take him out to eat and, and, and buy him chicken wings. Say amen. Or I'd bring him uh, something I knew he liked or desired, and it would be an appeasement. You know, I'd bring him a gift and, and hope he wouldn't be mad at me again. That's in human terms, but that's not biblical propitiation. What does biblical propitiation mean? It means this. It means satisfying, the satisfying of God's holy law. The satisfying of God's holy law. The meaning of its just demands. The meaning of its just demands. In other words, in the day that ye eat of that fruit, ye shall surely whine. The wages of sin is death. All right? You know, we may get away with breaking the law, with speeding. Sometimes, I get, anyhow, we'll move along. But you'll never get away with breaking God's law. Because God is holy and he is just and every sin will be accounted for. Every lie, every rebellious act, every disobedient thought will be accounted for. Did you hear what I said? Either Jesus paid for it on the cross, or if you die without Christ, you will answer for it before a holy God. But every single sin will be accounted for. Because every sin requires a payment. Y'all with me? Every sin. In other words, with every action, there's a consequence to God's holy law. I watched the movie The Green Mile. Y'all ever seen The Green Mile? It's a cool movie. Do you remember the one part of that movie where the, the guy has just been executed and the, 
the dingbat in the movie come over and was messing with him after he had died. And they, they got on to him and said, look, he's even with the house. He's paid his. In other words, the law was satisfied. He died and it paid his debt. He, he, the law satisfied. Don't mess with him. He's even with the house. Here's the point. When Jesus died on the cross, see, somebody had to die. From the moment, from the very moment that Eve took that fruit and disobeyed God, and Adam took that fruit and disobeyed God, somebody had to die. Somebody had to die to pay for that sin. You say, what happened? Now, we know through the Old Testament up until the cross of Calvary, that God allowed a substitute when he went and, and killed that animal and took those skins and covered Adam and Eve. But somebody had to die because of the righteousness of God. His anger toward unholiness and unrighteousness must be appeased. And propitiation is this. When you come to God... When you come to God unrighteous, you are under the condemnation of sin. You are facing the wrath of God because unrighteousness must be paid for. It will be accounted for. And when you come to Christ and you say, please forgive me, at that moment, what Jesus did on the cross, it appeased the anger of God toward sin. And he performed the propitiation, the declaration of righteousness for an unworthy sinner. And you experience propitiation now because of what Jesus did on the cross. God the Father no longer sees you as an enemy. God no longer sees you as unrighteous. But the, the anger toward unrighteousness has been appeased. You experience propitiation say amen now watch this i got some more i got some more propitiation means the satisfying of god's holy law the meaning of its just demand you see sin god's justice and his righteousness demanded sin to be paid for all right demand now so that God can freely forgive those who come to Christ, he had to pay for that sin. The word blood tells us what the price was. Jesus had to die on the cross in order to satisfy the law and justify lost sinners. Why did it take blood? The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The blood, the essence of life. Now, the second word, redemption. Let's look at the word redemption. The word redemption is the Greek word apolytrosis. It means pays a ransom in full to loose or deliver, to set free. To loose or deliver, to set free, to redeem, to pay for, pay the price. All right? Two things happen at Calvary. A propitiation, an appeasement of God's anger towards sin and, 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 and answering and appeasing and, 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 and paying the debt for sin. But then there was something that happened for the sinner. And this is greatly illustrated. This is, is, is clearly illustrated in a practice that took place with the Jewish people in the Old Testament. 
the best illustration of these truths in the, is the Jewish Day of Atonement, which is described in Leviticus chapter number 16. What would they do? They would take two goats. Two goats were brought to the tabernacle. Two goats were brought and presented at the altar. And one of them was chosen for sacrifice. The goat was slain and its blood taken into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled on the mercy seat, that golden cover on the Ark of the Covenant. This sprinkled blood covered the two tables of the law inside the Ark. Y'all with me? Y'all getting that? Y'all catching that? The blood covered the law. The law inside the Ark. The shed blood met temporarily the righteous demands of a holy God. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me go ahead and read the rest because I feel a little preach coming on right here. Look, After that, this goat sacrifice and his blood is taken to the altar and placed upon the altar. Well, then they take the other goat. Now, that is propitiation. Then they take the other goat and they place their hands upon that goat, and they, which is a symbolic of them placing all the sins of the people on that goat, and they lead him out into the wilderness. Now watch this. Watch this. The priest put his hands on the head of the other goat, confessed the sins of the people. Then the goat was taken out into the wilderness and set free to symbolize the carrying away of sin as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Say amen. In the Old Testament period, the blood of animals could never take away sin. It could only cover it until the time when Jesus would come and purchase a finished salvation. God had passed over the sins that were passed. That's where we're reading Romans 3.25. Knowing that his son would come and finish the work, because of his death and resurrection, there would be redemption. This blood on the altar is a type of the propitiation. The goat being led off is a type of the release, to let go the removal of our sins from us. That is redemption. Now, the purchasing of a sinner. Now, let's talk about that just a second. From the moment, from the moment Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, listen, something had to die. Blood was shed. And from that moment on, God taught Abraham, or excuse me, Adam, and Adam taught his children about bringing a sacrifice to God because it took blood to appease the anger of God towards sin. Now, every year on the Day of Atonement, the nation of Israel, they had to bring a sacrifice to the tabernacle to appease God's anger over the, the nation of Israel and their sin. Now, it did not take it away. It just covered it for one more year. It covered it and appeased the anger of God towards sin one more year. But every year that went by, the altar began to cry out. The altar, listen, began to cry out because the law demanded payment. The law demanded justice. And when that law cried out from the altar, they would bring that blood and apply it on the mercy seat. And it covered the law temporarily, year after year after year and it never was satisfied it was never complete because the blood of the bulls and goats could not satisfy the anger of God but it pointed to Jesus Christ the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world and when Jesus was dying on the cross the words that he said at the end it is finished and when Jesus took his blood to the mercy seat in heaven and he brought his blood to the Father, it never cried out again. It was a done deal. It was a finished product. It was finally taken care of. Say amen.
No more blood was required. No more sacrifice was required. No more payment. The payment was paid in full. I'm about to have a fit. Say amen. Thank God for what Jesus did on the cross. He paid our debt. He redeemed us unto God. Now every Old Testament, every Old Testament saint was covered. His sins were covered, not removed. But when Jesus came, he said, Behold the Lamb of God which, say it again, taketh away. Why do you think, why do you think that the Old Testament saints never made it to heaven until after Jesus died? When the thief was dying on the cross, Jesus looked over at him. He didn't say, I'll see you in heaven. He said, today thou shalt be with me where? In paradise. You see, they couldn't make it to heaven yet. They couldn't make it to the dwelling of God because sin wasn't completely paid for yet. Every Old Testament saint went to paradise until the final payment was made. And then Jesus went and got them and took them home. Watch this. This is, this, is, this is even better. When you get this verse 26, mercy. This is so good. Watch this. Can y'all see? Can y'all see propitiation and redemption? Can y'all see that? Do I have to explain that anymore? That, that the death of Christ took care of the righteous demand of the law for the sinner. Amen? Now, watch this. Verse number 26. When you see this, you may have to put your seatbelt on because it's so good right here. To declare, we have redemption, we have propitiation through the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of our sins. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness. That God might be two things. God might be two things. That God might be Stay with me. God might be just. That means right. In other words, it's kind of like this. When my dad whooped me, he was usually just in doing it. Because I usually earned it. Y'all with me? In other words, he was right in applying the correction and the discipline and the punishment to me. Because I disobeyed the, the responsibility or the, the law that I had in, in, in my situation. I disobeyed the authority that was over me. So he was right and just. Say that with me. He was right in to apply the punishment. Amen. Does that make sense? Well, see, God in his holiness, in order to be just, he had to punish sin. Sin had to be paid for. For the day you eat your fruit, you should surely die. Sin had to be paid for. But there's only one problem. God loved him so much. Now in his holiness, it requires a penalty. In God's holiness, in his purity, in his righteousness, listen, sin has to be paid for. 
And God is going to be just, period, just. But boy, does he love man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God was going to be just. Sin was going to be held accountable. Sin was going to be paid for. But see, God became two things. Not only just, because he did. Sin was paid for. But through Jesus, he not only was just, he became the justifier. What's that mean? Watch this. Watch this. A. I want you, we're looking at the manifestation of justification. When we really understand justification, what does it open our minds to and our hearts to? What does it reveal to us? First, A, through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, through the death of Christ on the cross, we see that the Lord is exonerated. And I know, I know that's a crazy word to use. And one of the reasons I used it is because it was alliterated, but, but there's another reason. When you look up the word, when you look up the word exonerate, this is what the definition is. To clear of blame or accusation. To clear of blame or accusation. Now here's what the devil could do. If God did not punish sin, then the devil could say, uh-huh, you let them off the hook. If God didn't deal with sin, if God didn't deal with unrighteousness, God, the devil could come and accuse him and say, you're not just. You're not righteous because you let them off the hook. Y'all with me? So God had to do something because he is just and he is holy. It couldn't be let off the hook. But he loved them so much. just going to go die for them because of his love for us now watch God must be perfectly consistent within himself he cannot break his own law or violate his own nature God is love amen and God is light. You see, churches today want to do one or the other. Some churches today, they want to go all God is love. And some of them want to go all God is light. In other words, God is love, so we don't preach against sin. We don't preach against unrighteousness. We don't preach against disobedience. But then they go the other, other way, and they're meaner than a snake. And God is, a, is, is, is against everything with tap water. Y'all with me? Now here is the church that's going to win America. And it's going to make a difference. That's balanced. That is love and light. That is compassionate enough to love people where they are. But they're righteous and holy enough to tell them the truth. You see, God is two in one. He's love and he's light. He cannot break who he is. A God of love wants to forgive sinners. But a God of holiness must punish sin and uphold his righteous law. Now, how can God be both just and justifier? The answer is in Jesus Christ. 
When Jesus suffered the wrath of God on the cross for the sins of the world, he fully met the demands of God's law. The wages of sin is, and he also fully expressed the love of God's heart. What does the Bible say? But the while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God commendeth, the word commendeth means to put on display, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he was showing that he was just and he was also the justifier. When Jesus suffered the wrath of God on the cross for the sins of the world, he fully met the demands of God's law and also fully expressed the love of God's heart. The animal sacrifices in the Old Testament never took away sin. But when Jesus died, he reached all the way back to Adam and took care of those sins. No one, including Satan, could accuse God of being unjust or unfair because of his seeming passing over sins in the Old Testament times. God was exonerated. Nobody, he was cleared of blame or accusation because he was a justifier. He did forgive the sinner. He does redeem us and, and declare us righteous. But he was just because he did pay for sin. In the manifestation of justification, verse 26, we find the Lord exonerated. Then, then I want you to see this and we're done. The law is established. The law is established. Look what it says. Verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? Do we then make void, and i got to hurry. Please hurry, I'm out, of, I'm out of time. Do we need? Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. The Lord exonerated, the law established. Because of his Jewish readers, Paul wanted to say more about the relationship of the gospel to the law. The doctrine of justification by faith is not against the law because it establishes the law. God obeyed his own law in working out the plan of salvation. Jesus in his life and death completely fulfilled the demands of the law. God does not have two ways of salvation, one for the Jews and one for the Gentiles, for he's one God. He is consistent with his own nature and his own law. If salvation is through the law, then men can boast, but the principle of faith makes it impossible for men to boast. The swimmer, when he is saved from drowning, does not brag because he trusted the lifeguard. What else could he do? When a believing sinner is justified by faith, he cannot boast of his faith, but he can boast of a wonderful Savior. Let's give God praise for a minute. You don't do that? Amen. Now, I know we went kind of deep, and we went a little deeper than most of y'all are used to treading water, but this, this will help you grow. And I would encourage you to do this. Some of you might, oh, man, what was that about that, uh, that propitiation word again? Get the tape and listen to it again. Or go back on the Internet. They'll have it on the Internet and follow your notes and think about this stuff. You need to know this. You need to know what took place when you got saved. It's more than he came into your heart and wrote your name in heaven. There was a lot that happened that gives you the ability one day to walk on the streets of gold. It's very important to know what we believe. Amen? How many of y'all are glad we're righteous because of who Jesus is and what he did? Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray. I'm 10 minutes over time, and they're probably losing their mind out there with them kids. Amen. Now, tell me again where they need to go to pick up who? Brother John, is that, is that the direction? Well, hurry, hurry, hurry. 10 minutes late, my man. All right, there we go.
All right, basketball, if, if your kid's in the basketball uh, uh, part of the program, they're in the gym, soccer is in the gym, cheerleading is in Technotown, which is upstairs, and the children in the crafts part of it, they're in Kids Corner. That's in the bottom, and, and going that way, they will, they will direct you to where you need to go. Now listen, don't forget, don't forget, the movie, uh, 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 Friday night, 7 o'clock, right here, we want you to come, be a part of it. It's going to be a fantastic time. We're going to have a blast. Come out, bring folks with you, and then we're going to have sign-ups. That day, I think we'll have shirts. All the hosts will have shirts that will let you know who the hosts are. And uh, and then we'll have sign-ups uh, that, that particular Sunday morning. But we want you to be in a group. Man, I'm telling you, this is going to be great. I've been going over the material. And I think you're going to be out there tonight. All right. If you'd like to sign up tonight or ask questions about it, Brother Buchanan is going to be out there right after we dismiss, okay? So don't forget about that. We're going to pray, and we're going to run because they're waving and and preacher went, hey, y'all took some of my time in, 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 in dancing up here. So, all right, here we go. Here we go. Had, to, had a little setup. Father, thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you so much that you are just. You're right in what you do. But, God, you are loving and forgiving for saving us. And, God, we appreciate the fact that you can and you did. And we love you and we thank you for all that you do. Please bless all these folks. They got to work. Lord, they're tired and wore out, but they came to be a blessing and have a blessing, and I pray that they receive the blessing. Lord, Lord, bless us now. Bring us back Friday night. Lord, we're going we're gonna to have a great time learning to help make our families better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody.